you never know what walks through the door and you shouldn't, you know, being an authentic responder, you know, or a learner or a guide, you know, that's, that's, that's like 90% of the job. Welcome to PrismaCast, the podcast of Prisma Center for Jewish Day Schools. My name is Rachel Dratch, Associate Director of Educational Innovation here at Prisma, and this podcast is part of an amazing series called Startup Day School, envisioned and produced by Mr. Josh Gold, who is not only the middle school principal at the Hafter School in Lawrence, New York, but is also pursuing a doctorate at Yeshiva University. Without further ado, here's Josh with Startup Day School. Okay, welcome back to the Startup Day School. My name is Joshua Gold. So glad to have you with us. Uh, today's episode, a, another very exciting topic. We are going to be speaking about leadership coaching and the importance uh, that it plays in the role of emerging, aspiring uh, day school leaders, as well as uh, day school leaders uh, who have been in the field for quite some time. Uh, joining me today, I have a very, very uh, talented and experienced and interesting group of uh, guests. Uh, we have Jane Taubenfeld-Cohen, uh, former head of school and a longtime leadership coach. Uh, we have Rabbi Menachem Linzer, head of school at Hillel Torah Day School in Skokie, Illinois. And we have uh, C.B. Nugrashel, uh, head of school at Mayanot Yeshiva High School for Girls in New Jersey. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being with us here on uh, the Startup Day School. Uh, and we're going to jump right in. Um, the first question is, I mean, everyone's here because they have some relationship to coaching. But before we start talking about that, I think it's important that we frame the conversation with what is leadership coaching? Um, what is it? What, what functions does it serve? Uh, who'd like to jump in and share with us? Well, I'll start, I guess, um, this is CB. I just want to start by saying that uh, for me, like coaching has been the adult version of learning, you know, that there's a opportunity to remove yourself from uh, the 24 seven action oriented needs of being a teacher or a leader and spend time reflecting on what are your goals? why, what's the, what's the direction that you're heading towards? Are you being, you know, reflective and uh, intentional? That space, whoever's doing it, to me is, um, is what coaching is all about. And this is uh, Menachem speaking. Um, and I, CB, I love the way you frame that because um, so often leaders are so involved in day-to-day -day things. And and in order for any organization to really be able to move forward, someone needs to be thinking about the long-term vision of it. And if the leader never is able to kind of step out of the day-to-day, -day, you know, fires and that need to be put out, then uh, then that's not going to be happening. And coaching definitely creates that helps create that space for the leader to to reflect and to be able to kind of put the long-term needs of the organization um, as a priority. I guess it's funny to me to um, talk about coaching just in the framework of leadership coaching, because from, from my experience, the first time I really thought about like what it means to coach was when I was thrust in that position as a department chair or as a teacher leader um, or as an assistant principal responsible to coach uh, without necessarily a lot of training, but like 
helping my teachers and my team be reflective and intentional and have vision and understand where they're at. That was really my first exposure to coaching, almost like wishing that I had the opportunity myself to to have experienced that and, and to have support in that space. And I think that's an important distinction because coaching is sort of a third space. It's not supervisory and it's not necessarily like collegial, right? It's sort of a third space for someone to try to position you to be reflective, right? And, and grow. I can't talk about what coaching is without talking about what it means to be a coach, which is um, to have a real investment in someone's growth, both inner growth and professional growth at the same time. And to be able to get to know that person, where that person's headed and uh, support that person through deep questions through uh, reflection and through looking for trends in somebody's practice and being able to to have some tough conversations along the way to help to really be invested in that person's growth. And I think, have any of you experienced either yourselves and we could talk about like, have you been coached? Um, are you coaching? Um, I know I speak for myself that, you know, for full disclosure, uh, uh, Jane was my coach in my first couple of years as a day school leader. And I can say, you know, on a personal level and a professional level, it was an extraordinarily useful tool for me uh, to have as I was growing into to my role. Um, but have you ever experienced even yourself or seen others been hesitant to uh, see the value or want to be coached? Um, and maybe what were some of the uh, reasons that they had, uh, you know, the hesitancy? I've definitely seen some people who have an approach that view coaching as a sign of weakness, that if someone needs to be coached, that means that they're not up, up for the task and maybe they're not the, the right person for that role and that you should be able to figure it out on your own. You should be able to be self-sufficient. Um, there definitely is that view out there. And I would argue strongly uh, uh, to counter that and to say that it's actually a sign of strength. Uh, no one could do it alone. Anyone who thinks they could do it alone, you know, is, is, is pretending and imagining uh, and to really be even more effective and or the most effective that you could be. The coaching really helps take take the leader to the next level. And not only does it support the person like Jane was saying, but as I was saying earlier, it's really the best thing for the organization that if that leader is, you know, the, the head of that organization responsible for that vision is is even, you know, is being paid for that um, in order to get the most out of that person for that organization to really operate on the highest level and move forward. That person is receiving that coaching and is able to be reflective. Uh, they're able to lead in a better way and everyone benefits from that. Yeah, and I think that's also an important point, which is like, I think that the, the perception may be that I need this support to do the job. And I think if it's framed in that way, that could be perceived as a sign of weakness that he can't, he or she can't do this unless they have this, this tool at their disposal. Right. But I think if you reframe it as like, does, does anyone think that at any stage of their career as a school leader, that this is your final form, right? Is this the highest level you could possibly reach? So I think that anyone who thinks that that's where they are is, is that that would be nonsense. And I think any hiring body, whether it's a board or otherwise, who thinks that like, the moment we hire someone, this is as mature, uh, as fully formed as they're going to be in their job, or as fully formed as we would want them to be, I don't think anyone would agree to that. So I think that the goal is how do we all grow? And how do we set the tone for our school community to be a community of learners and growers, right? 
Totally agree. I will say that in my early career um, as a teacher and as a teacher leader or, or an early administrator, I definitely felt that first orientation of the expectation to prove myself, to show my creativity, to have it fully figured out and bring it to the table and impress everyone and hear, you know, this is what I bring to the table. I think when you're in the business and you see how dynamic and authentic the learning needs to be, this is like a little ecosystem of students learning from teachers, teachers learning from teachers, teachers learning from administrators, administrators learning from parents. It's just this like cycle of continuous growth. So it makes no sense. Um, to like isolate any person in that organization and uh, identify them as like either finished. I mean, the reverse, I would say it's not even like it makes no sense to do that. The most powerful model of continuous learning is being able to say, all right, I'm really going to sit, sit down and think this through and talk to my colleagues and, you know, have a conversation with my coach and take, you know, the balcony view and continuously bring it back. This like dynamic of learning and growing to me is frankly what like gets me excited about the field because it's not finished and I'm not finished, but even more significantly, it I think also like authentically brings this like learning community to a full circle. Everyone's always involved. So on that note, CB, it's a great point. And you, you use the term balcony view. I don't know for all of our listeners if that's a, a common common uh, language that they use. Uh, could someone talk to us about what that means, balcony view versus maybe dance floor view, even though there are no dance floors right now during COVID, really? Um, and maybe that's that, maybe that's not necessarily what you do during coaching. What do you do during coaching time? You're being coached. What, what happens here? The, the balcony and the dance floor is a metaphor for the dance floor is the arena where the day-to-day -day operations are taking place. And the balcony is the chance to kind of get up and to observe all the dancing going on down below and to reflect on what's happening as a whole. And that's what I alluded to earlier as the leader or the leaders, the leadership team needs to kind of oscillate and be, at the, you know, often be on the dance floor, but at the same time, step away from that, reflect on what's happening, notice the trends, uh, see areas that need to be addressed, you know, think about the future opportunities or risks or otherwise in order to be able to lead effectively. Um, in terms of what coaching is, I, I, think, I think there's a distinction between coaching and mentoring that I, in my mind, uh, holds true and not to get too much into semantics, but I think of mentoring, I think of someone teaching someone how to perform a task or how to learn a certain skill. Um, and there's a very important role for mentoring, whether it's mentoring teachers or leadership mentoring. There are a lot of skills that need to be learned. And, and I think there's a lifelong learning aspect as well in terms of that. I think where coaching, pure coaching is distinct is that coaching is really a, a space for the leader to be reflecting on their own practice. And as Jane said earlier, the leader helps hold up that, uh, the coach helps hold up that mirror and also helps the leader notice trends or triggers that they may not be, no, be able to notice without having that other person uh, reflect back to them. And it helps them develop a much deeper self-knowledge that then helps them develop as a person and, and, and as a better leader. You know, what's interesting about what, what you said, Menachem, is that so many times when a coach says something, the person, the leader already knows 
but might not it but might not have ever acknowledged it to him or herself you, you know the coach says it sounds like you know it sounds like it's really hard for you when this happens and the person says yeah i've i've kind of known that but i've never ever accepted it or acknowledged it to myself or i need to be aware of that if i'm going to move to the next place as a leader and it's such it's it's a moment in time the coach actually hasn't done much of anything except help the leader get there do would you how how old do you feel about this or how do you all feel about this that maybe mentoring i don't even know if i agree with this i'm just throwing this out there that mentoring may be more toward dealing with tactical or i'm sorry technical skills maybe like proficiencies in the job of like managing a school right but the leadership the tactical skills and capacities that are required to do school leadership jobs well those are jobs that require a great deal more reflection and space for searching inside oneself and sort of changing the leader from one of transactional leadership to transformational leadership. And that's maybe more of the coach's role. I'm wondering where you all stand on that or how you feel about that. I, I think what's in, I don't, I don't disagree with anything you said, Josh. The thing that I think is actually true is that a coach in the day school world sometimes does some mentoring. And um, as long as you name it as that, meaning, there, many of the coaches that are working in the Jewish day school world have been in the field themselves. And when you ask a question as a coachee, and the, there's a simple answer, you know, you should talk to these three people, they've done it. Or I saw this when I visited a school in Florida, whatever it is, then that might not be pure coaching, but it does happen sometimes between a coach and a coachee. And I think I, I've never been a purist. I don't, you know, buy into one curriculum. I don't, I, I, you know, I, I hate the whole language phonics discussion. I've never been a purist and I'm not a purist about coaching either. I think um, it's the same way as it is with our students, which is what does this person need right now? And how do I help that person grow? I would agree with Jane. I think I think it both in and and full disclosure, I've been coached as a leader, and I've also served as a leadership coach for others. And in both roles, um, I've both benefited from some direct advice and and mentoring in addition, mixed in with the coaching. And as a coach myself, I've often given that if there was something simple, something where it was easy to point out a tip here and there for sure uh you mix that in as well in addition to the deeper reflection that goes on in the coaching and uh and and that's that's part of that real relationship prior to you know 15 20 years ago and before then so much of the job of school leadership was instructional instructional leadership but so much more in the past 20 years um school leaders are responsible for professional development scopes and sequences teacher guidance teacher support discipline event attendance busing, legislative mandates, and all of the other granular details that come along with running a school. And so there's so much more on the plate of a school leader these days relative to before. And coaching with that as the backdrop, more important than ever. How do y'all feel about that? So I will uh, double down on that. I think um, 
I came to education really just from a purely selfish desire to learn um, and knowing that the dynamic of like teaching and learning really keeps um, keep, keep, kept me inspired and kept me learning. Um, I think that as you like uh, rise in the ranks of leadership, you realize that you're learning not just about uh, any type of specific subject specialty that you might have and love, um, but that that learning and that leadership now all of a sudden has expanded to, you know, gardening and color choices and like you said, busing and technical things that are even more directly related to like the health of, a, of the culture of the school. Um, but because it's this like ever expanding circle of responsibility, uh, making sure that you really reserve time and thought and uh, energy for, for that reflection and that intentionality so that there is not, you know, the sense of like just constantly, constantly responding as if you know everything because you're the head. So you just have to know everything, um, even though it really has nothing to do with your specific expertise. Um, so I think that that's like a very healthy and important shift to acknowledging that this is uh, this, this, this type of leadership requires a, a structured uh, support and a structured um opportunity for reflection. Uh, it's very, to me, it's very different than, than, uh, than what I saw, you know, as a, as an early leader. Um, and, uh, and really, a, a, hopefully a healthy outgrowth that it's responsive. The schools have grown, education has been transformed, our goals are different, we're far more holistic, we recognize that actually maybe pink color does make a difference, um, or how many windows that we have. But in order to accomplish that plus everything else, it just needs a different structured um, support system in place. So I, I, uh, I really came to coaching very late. I'd been in uh, Jewish education for over 15 years before um, I even thought about having my own coach. Um, and I'm, I'm so, so, so appreciative of that opportunity and recognize how necessary it is. Awesome. I had the experience as an assistant principal in uh, the public schools. I first, my first principal who I worked under uh, was there for a long time. Um, and then the second principal I had, uh, it was his first year as a principal and he had a leadership coach. And I remember he was very open with us about his coaching time. Like this was protected time. We knew about it. He would like end meetings because coaching time was coming and you know we knew about it. And with that as the backdrop, I'm wondering, creating professional learning communities in your schools is such an important focus or should be such an important focus for school leaders, right? Um, the, the word that is used by Ellie Drago Severson, who I love, is holding environments, that there's a, a safe space for teachers to grow uh, and, and be reflective and be vulnerable, right? That that's important for teachers to have that space so that they can grow. How public do you think someone should be about the fact that they are coached? Do you, do you think that my principal's uh, MO for like letting everybody know I'm being coached, do you think that's a good model? Do you think it sets a tone for a school community or is it something that should be maybe a little bit more private or maybe somewhere in between? I will just tell you that I, I was coached um, when I was ahead of school. I started probably, I was ahead of school for 22 years. I probably started coaching 12 or 13 years in and I was completely public, like nationally public. Um, Peach did an article about it at the time um, because not many, if any other day school leaders were being coached at the time. And I felt like um, I'm modeling for the, for the other administrators in my own school, for the teachers in my own school, that I'm a learner and that, um, that I'm, not, I'm not even close to being there yet. 
there are so many, and this wasn't because I had never done fundraising because, before I became a head of school. It was really because leadership as learning to be a leader is so vast. There's so many ways that it turns as you're, as you're leading, it turns in one direction and turns in another direction. And you're never leading the same people. And so it doesn't come out the same. And so being able to reflect and grow was tremendous to me, tremendous. How was that received uh, yeah. by, by, by folks in your they school community? They, they, I, I wrote, a, re, I wrote um, a blog to parents and a blog to teachers and weekly. And my blog to teachers would often talk about what I was thinking about based on my, um, my coaching. And they, um, when I ended up, le when I retired from being a head of school to, to going more into the, the national level, a lot of them reflected on those, those blog posts, the transparency of me talking about myself as a learner, inspiring them, and also feeling like they understood me more. They, I opened my practice basically. So what advice would you give to, I, I, we, we made us, I made a sort of list I and mean, we had a conversation before we jumped on the podcast here, but I made a list around like some of the different groups who maybe have either passively or, or directly uh, actively had an experience with either making a decision about coaching or having to have an opinion about coaching. And I, we identified principal preparation programs, aspiring leaders, um, folks who are already uh, uh, veteran school leaders, uh, lay leaders, lay leaders, school boards. Um, and folks who are just entering um, leadership positions, what do you think is the best way for someone to maybe if they have a different uh, perspective about coaching to maybe reframe their mindset around um, why it is so important? One aspect, uh, and I think this answers the question, and it jumps off what CB and, and what Jane earlier just said, and that is that in addition to the multiple demands on, on school leaders now and ever increasing, you're also dealing with a such a wide array of personalities and stakeholder groups. And so much of and so much of that requires such a high degree of emotional intelligence. Knowing how am I speaking to this type of person, that type of person, this group, this person who's influencing this area, this level of power or influence and and, and constantly switching between all of those. And the coaching, I think, really helps the leader continue to develop their emotional intelligence through this um, reflective space. And I think that's one of the core values of it and, and one of the ways that it plays out in the field um, on a day-to-day -day basis. Right, and to that end, it's gotta be the right coach and the right match, I think, too, right? Definitely, I, I would For add, sure. also, I think that our community in the last uh, number of years has, at least uh, in the New York, New Jersey area, has, has really um, grown to appreciate the tiers of impact that a school has. Um, or you're, you're saying tiers, T-I-E-R-S, correct? I just wanna clarify. Not the, not the bad <laughs> grades, I hate my homework, tiers, um, which might happen. Um, but I think that because of that like growing um, impact that schools have, there, and, and frankly, also because of the competitive market, there's an expectation that, that school leaders are really always re-examining what we do and how we do it. Obviously this year, more than, <laughs> more than any other year. Um, and that appreciation this year has grown also because 
thank God we've been quite successful in reimagining and providing and um, in a way that, uh, that maybe has, um, has shown the value of the school structure and the school leader in a different way. So I, I find that like put on the table, um, it's pretty obvious that school leaders and, and leaders at different levels um, what are benefited with, uh, you know, benefit from having coaching and, and the opportunity to reimagine, you know, continually um, what's the best, what's the next best that we should be doing. I also, you, think, all, you, oh, also, yeah, you also see that the, um, with the for continued professionalization of the day school field uh, over the past 10, 15 or more years, um, a lot of these te- for, uh, leadership training programs include a component of coaching. So Prisma's You Lead program, it includes part of the package is you get a, like a starter package of coaching. DSLPI provides coaching. Many search firms who are placing leaders in schools will advise the school board to build in coaching into the initial contract for the leader. So I think there's a lot of encouragement already getting sort of built into the field. And hopefully that that will also impact and continue to expand the use of this tool um, to help schools grow. Yeah, I think just first off, great shout out to Prisma uh, who hosts this uh, the platform. We appreciate Prisma. Um, and I think to, to both of your points, CB and Menachem, I think that the not only the day school world, but the education world in general has been sort of late to the game about performance and leadership coaching, which has been sort of a standard thing in so many other industries. And I think that the two things that have really brought this to the forefront are number one, the realization based on um, so much data of how much of an impact school leaders can have on a school community. And the other piece, as we said, is how much uh, how much bigger and um, just uh, wider the job responsibilities are for the school leader. I think that those things and the rise of coaching as an accepted and, and an important tool, I think those things are, are, are hand in hand. You asked before about people who are reluctant, and there are people who are reluctant. I think those people need to talk to a coach not as I'm going to hire you, but just to see, just to play, just see if the chemistry's there, have the conversation. A lot of times people are afraid of being too vulnerable and what that will mean for them if they if they take some of the layers of protection, the armor off, what's, what's gonna be true about them once they do it? And I think coaches can uh, can feel that and can help somebody get to where they need to go in a slower way if that's what's needed. Coaches need to work on their own practice too. They, I mean, I, I believe in this really strongly. I'm like a crazy reader of leadership literature. I um, am constantly reading about coaching and uh, talking to other people who coach to help grow my own practice as a leader. And I think that we have to we have to see this as dynamic. Where it is today might not be where it is tomorrow because everyone's still learning. The the coachee's learning, the coach is learning, and um, when they can do that together, it's even more powerful. In addition to vulnerability, I would say one of the one of the barriers for like a board, let's say, is cost. Well, why are we paying for this? We're already hiring you, you know, aren't you supposed to know? And I think if you look at the field, unfortunately, there's a tremendous amount of turnover and a very high burnout rate amongst leaders. And leaders, heads of school don't last very long in their positions. I don't have the statistics off, offhand, but I think we've all seen statistics like that. Um, so I think not only will the school get the most out of their leader if they invest a little bit extra in coaching, but also that leader will 
not only serve, well, hopefully survive in the role and stay on and there'll be longevity, there'll be stability and we'll really thrive and help help the school community, you know, move forward. So it's, if you think about it in the big picture, the cost of not investing in coaching could be a lot greater than the small investment, you know, uh, on the cost side of the coaching itself. Absolutely. And I think it also says something uh, uh, to the person coming into the leadership role that the school is really investing in them. I think that that's a real uh, vote of confidence uh, when someone feels that that support is there and that belief and that investment is there too. I was just thinking, uh, Jane, to your point, um, we uh, there's a great book, one of my favorite books uh, about leadership called The First 90 Days, about how the first 90 days in leadership roles can often set the tone for the rest of your career, even if you're there for 30 years, those first 90 days are so important. And it talks about how there's gotta be time spent reflecting before you enter the position that you need to spend time visualizing that you are now in a very new role, right? And not only are you in this new role, but the things that got you here, the skills and uh, the, that made you effective at your previous jobs are not necessarily going to be the skills that make you effective at your new job. And so you really have to visualize that you are coming in as a new person. You're really, you really have to sort of, um, you know, come into it thinking that in order to be uh, positioning yourself to be as successful as you can be. And if someone thinks that they're able to do that without having someone to speak to and bounce ideas off of and have a safe space to grow, um, I, I would not advise that. And I think that anyone who thinks that the transition is not that profound um, doesn't appreciate what a shift it is to enter into a, a, an authentic school leadership role. And I think um, we can't underestimate the, the imposter syndrome that many, 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 many leaders uh, bring with them into any new role. They might on the outside look confident and ready and on the inside be saying, am I gonna fail? Um, and just having someone that helps you stop and reflect on that and helps you put one foot in front of the other is really, really helpful. I, I always say that any uh, school leader who does not have some imposter syndrome, this little voice inside them say that pops up and says, what, what, you're not, you can't do this. Why, why, why would anybody listen to you? Anyone who doesn't have that voice at least a little bit is like a raging narcissist. <laughs> I think that it's, I think that it's appropriate to have that because I think that it, it speaks to a, a humility. And I think that it speaks to a vulnerability. And I think that if you don't have that, you can't be highly effective at this work. I think anyone who's been in leadership for or in schools for a long enough time has seen, um, I guess, like the, the pitfalls and the challenge and working with human beings and kids and parents and community and so many parts of, uh, of this like organism that, you know, that gets stuck and is super challenging. So if, if, if you're approaching it from this perspective of I got this, as opposed to from the what the heck am I going to do with this? you're really, uh, you're really in trouble, you know, or, or your school is in trouble. Um, it's just, uh, there, you never know what walks through the door and you shouldn't, you know, being an authentic responder, you know, or a learner or a guide, you know, that's, that's, that's like 90% of the job. I feel like we should mention that sometimes boards have expectations of coaching that aren't realistic. Um, that, Sometimes boards think that um, coaches can cure learning disabilities or can um, or help, help a leader overcome the greatest challenge that that person has had for 30 years, whatever that is. Um, 
And it's not that the, that a coach can't help somebody improve in those areas, but that's not what coaching is. Um, and not that you and and learning disabilities can't be cured. So um, I think that that coaches can help someone with strategies, can help someone look for um, help where they need it, can help someone build the systems that will help. But that but. Um, the boards have to be realistic also about what coaching is and what coaching isn't. A lot of times I'll get a call from a board saying, we're thinking that our person needs coaching. And I'll say, does this person know that you think that? And when they say no, it's usually a sign that something else is going on, right? Because the partnership between a board and a school leader or or if it's a head of school and the person on the administrative team who's getting coached, the partnership in that person's growth is a critical part of this process. Agreed. If we could uh, close with final thoughts about coaching in general, what it means to you, um, any last messages about it, we'd love to, we'd love to hear those last thoughts. Uh, Menachem, you, you said you want to start? I've been very fortunate to be, as I said, the recipient of coaching and, uh, it, it, you know, to have that my school make that investment in me as a, as a new leader and to be able also to give back to others in the field through coaching and, and really a huge shout out to Prisma for their vision in developing a coaching training program to be able to really professionally train more coaches to be av available to the field as, as we continue to professionalize and grow as a, as a day school field in general to be able to lift the Jewish day school community really across the country. I'll give my shout out to Jane, who's been uh, really a support and a thought partner for me as my coach um, and the opportunity to always stay in the learning space, learning about myself, learning about my own um, my own leadership, learning about uh, my own vision, just having the opportunity to keep that cycle of reflection um, as a as a core part of my as a core part of my week. So thank you very much. For me, coaching has been a privilege. It started with my years at DSLTI, moved to uh, and added to that is um, why you lead. That's now you lead, and the coaching institute. And mostly it's about the people that I have the privilege of coaching every single day. Um, I continue to be in awe of what they deal with every day in, day out, and their ability to step back and to look down at from the balcony into their own practice. It's such a privilege to be a part of that. So I'll close with a final thought, which is, I think did everybody here see the last dance you know in the chicago bulls and michael jordan it was uh yeah it was, during, it was during the beginning early days of covid so no one was doing anything except watching it you know there's nothing else to do and i remember there was this one episode uh where dennis rodman was the main focus and it was showing how um so many other teams especially toward the end of his uh career and some of his behavior was somewhat erratic but he was still this incredible talent that phil jackson was able to the coach of the bulls was really able to work with him on an individual basis where it was it was a it was a very close relationship and one where it, it wasn't judgy it wasn't um you know it wasn't necessarily like consequential it was more how what's the best way for us to position you to get the most out of your talent and i think ultimately like self-actualize right what's the best version of you 
And I love that. And I remember I was on a bunch of like Facebook teacher, uh, you know, with some of my teacher friends and stuff from like grad school and stuff. And we, we were talking about how it was such an incredible example of differentiation, right? If you talk about differentiation in the classroom, this is what you're talking about, right? We weren't trying to make this person be someone he wasn't. We were trying to get the most out of his skill set. And, and again, not, not, you know, some of the behavior was, was not okay. Right. But overall, we were trying to get the most out of him and position him to be the best version of him that he could be. And I think it was such a good example of coaching and not only about what coaching can be in its highest form, um, but also how the relationship uh, is is such an important thing. And the fact that they invested in him like that and they had the right coach in the right place, you know, the Bulls were able to win that championship and it was an incredible run, uh, a great last dance. So I really, I want to thank everyone for being with us. I want to, again, give the shout out that uh, dayschoolpodcast at gmail.com. Any feedback, thoughts, dayschoolpodcast at gmail.com. I want to thank so much again for joining us, our incredible guests, Rabbi Menachem Linzer, uh, C.B. Uh, Nubrichel, and Jane Talbotfeld-Cohen. Uh, it's really been a great podcast, very meaningful. Uh, thank you again all for joining us. And thank you to our listeners uh, for tuning in. And we hope you tune in again next time. Have a great rest of the day. Thank you. That was an amazing podcast. Thank you, Josh. For contact info and links from today's episode, check us out at prisma.org. Follow us on social media at prismacjds. Subscribe to this podcast wherever podcasts are found. And check out the Prisma Knowledge Center, our online place to find resources, templates, articles, reports, and research on all things day school for day school leaders. Thank you.